Amen. Thank you so much. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Just believe the Lord. Just trust Him. And many times you can't see Him. Uh, but as the old saying is, when you can't trace His hand, you can always trust His heart. He is a good, good God. Well, if you'll join me tonight, take your Bible and join me on page number 322 tonight. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3, 322 in the Old Schofield Bible. And I want to read some verses here from this text tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And then I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open and I want to talk a little bit just about the call of God tonight. The call of of God as we continue making our way through the story of Samuel, all right? 1 Samuel chapter 3, again, I'd like to remind you, we'll be back online again Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and 5.30 for our services. Please join us, if you will, uh, at that time. And, of course, we'll be, as I said, making announcements as we, uh, you know, get near the, the end of the uh, couple of weeks here that we have set aside to kind of let things die down just a little bit. And, of course, we had a meeting scheduled after church tonight. We'll do that in a couple of weeks and uh, kind of let everybody know what's going on, where we're heading in the future, the very near future. And uh, so we'll just postpone that till we all get back together again. All right? First Samuel chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. And if you will bear with me for just a moment, I'd like to read down to verse number 10. The Bible said, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down again, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, uh, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Now, if you'll leave your Bibles open to this text tonight, I don't want to go back in a moment. And as I said, I'd like to speak a little bit, talk a little bit tonight about the call, the call of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. These, uh, these uh, songs that have been uh, sang for us tonight in the service about the storms and the problems of life and the difficulties of life, but they've reminded us that you're an ever-present help in our time of trouble. Thank you, Lord, for the, uh, just the opportunity to be able to sit and listen uh, to what has been saying for us. And now I pray as we turn our thoughts toward the Word of God that you'll use the Bible to help us tonight, speak to our hearts, draw us up close to you. And Lord, I pray the Spirit of God will help somebody that's listening tonight that's grappling, wrestling with the call of God. 
I pray you'd help them tonight, please, and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been with us for the last several Wednesday evenings, the last several months, then you may remember that we have been involved in a series of messages about one of, uh, uh, of Israel's greatest leaders. Though if we were to ask to compile a list of the great leaders of the nation of Israel, his name would probably not even be on that list. But his name was Samuel. Samuel was not a king like, say, uh, King David. Samuel was not necessarily a ruler over God's people like, say, a Moses. But Samuel, nevertheless, was a great leader for the nation of Israel. Samuel was a judge. Now, when we think of judges in our day, we think of somebody that wears a black robe and has a gavel in their hand and they're sitting behind a bench. But in the Bible days, judges were leaders. They filled the great gap between people like Moses and, and Joshua up until the time that Israel got her kings. But by the time, from the time Joshua died until Israel got its first king, about a period of about 350 years has elapsed. But God didn't go without leaders in the nation during that 350-year period. But God had people called judges to lead the nation. There were some 15 of these judges. Thirteen of them are found in the book of Judges. We think about men like Gideon and Samson and Ehud and Jephthah. They were all judges. Thirteen are mentioned in the book of Judges. But then when we roll over into the book of 1 Samuel, we have two other judges as well, Eli and Samuel. Well, without doubt, though he uh, may have been last, the last of the judges and the first of the prophets, Samuel was without doubt the greatest and most godliest leader out of all the judges. He judged Israel, led Israel up until the time Israel demanded to have a king. So I guess we could say that Samuel was the, was the judge of, the, uh, of transition. Now, as we have worked our way up to chapter 3, of course we have covered the story of Samuel thus far. Back in chapter 1, we, we took some time looking at the mother of Samuel. We know her name was Hannah. Boy, what a great story. Uh, that, that there is about the mother of Samuel, how she begged the Lord for a child. She was barren for some biological reason. She was unable to conceive, and yet she prayed and asked the Lord for a man-child specifically, and God answered her prayer. Her promise was, God, if you'll give him to me, I'll give him back to you. And we spent considerable time back in chapter 1 talking about the mother of Samuel. Then when we come to chapter number 2, we run into the mentor of Samuel. We find Samuel, his mother has dropped him off at the house of God. He's probably around three or four years old. She's taken him up to the house of God and she's left him there. She packed his little bag, probably put some little sandwiches in it. With tears coursing down her cheeks, she takes him up to the house of God in Shiloh and she leaves him there. Samuel then falls under the influence, under the mentorship of a man by the name of Eli. Eli then becomes the mentor of Samuel. Now, of course, we know that Eli wasn't all that he should be. By the way, uh, aren't any of us all that we should be? But Eli had his struggles. He struggled with his family mightily. But in those days that Samuel was under the mentor of, uh, of, uh, of Eli, I'm sure that God used what wisdom that, that Eli could impart to Samuel uh, to use it in the days ahead. 
So we've talked about the mother of, Eli, of Samuel. We've talked about the mentor of Samuel. But when we come to chapter number 3, now we talk a little bit about the ministry of Samuel. The ministry of Samuel. Now, as we enter this chapter, of course we understand that the ministry begins with a call. The ministry is not a choice. It's not an occupation. You don't go into ministry as you would uh, uh, the occupation of being a lawyer or an architect or, uh, or whatever thing that you may choose to do. The ministry is not a choice. The ministry is a call. We still believe that God is calling men into the ministry. We believe that ministry is a call. And as we consider this text tonight, we see how that God called Samuel into the ministry. So we consider not just his mother and his mentor, we consider the ministry. It all started with a call. Now as we look at this, op these opening verses here, there's a, there's a couple of things about these verses that bother me about this time that Israel was in couple of phrases in these verses that, that really bother me, that kind of sums up pretty much the spiritual condition of that day, the days in which God would call Samuel into the ministry. And as we consider these days here in our text and, and the things that, that we're told about those days, we can't help but see how those things that were said about those days are also the same things that we can say about these days. But I, I'm, I'm glad and, and thankful that in the midst of, of bad times, it doesn't keep God from calling people, calling men into the ministry. Aren't you glad that though the days may be difficult, the times may be evil and wicked, I'm glad that it hasn't silenced the voice of God when it comes to calling men to the ministry. Amen. I'm glad God is still calling people into the ministry. Well, I want you to notice these two things that bother me. Look at verse number one. First of all, we're told here in verse number one that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Now, if you're not careful, you may get the wrong understanding of that because in our day, when we think about something being precious, uh, we think of, it, uh, think of it in terms of being very cherished or treasured or even valuable. Uh, we say that a treasure is, pre uh, uh, that, that this is precious or that is precious, and it means to be loved or highly regarded. But that's not what the word precious in verse number one means. The word precious actually means in this text, it means scarce or it means sparse or it means rare. Let me read it to you like this. The Bible said the word of the Lord was scarce in those days. It was sparse, or it was rare in those days. The Bible said that there was no open vision. Now, we understand that in Old Testament times that God spoke to men uh, through visions. The Bible said God who at sundry times, Hebrews 1.1, spake in times fast, passed unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. We understand back in Old Testament times, God used a variety of ways to speak to people, to call out to people. And one of those ways was through visions and, and through dreams. We believe today that God speaks through the Word of God. Amen. Thank God for His Word. But the Bible said back in those days that the Word of the Lord was scarce. 
Maybe in our terminology, what we would say, we would say it like this, the word of the Lord was few and far between. What bothers me about that is it was bad days. It was evil days in the days in which Samuel was called into the ministry. And the thing about those days was God was growing strangely quiet in those days. You know, the Bible does seem to indicate that when people turn away from God, that God gets quiet about it. God, gets, uh, uh, God doesn't have much to say about it. I think initially God speaks to people to turn them around, to call them back to himself. But when those people persist in going in their direction against God, God just gets quiet about it. We read over the book of Psalms, chapter 50, verse number 21. The Bible said this, These things hast thou done. And if you'll read the verses prior to this, they had turned away from God. And the Bible said, These things thou hast done. And God said this, I kept silent about it. The heavens in those days had become pretty much brass. And God was not saying much. God was growing strangely silent. The word of God was spare, uh, sparse and scarce and rare in those days. May I say, ladies and gentlemen, that those days seemingly are now these days. I mean, it doesn't seem like God's speaking much anymore. It seems like as we go further and further away from God, it seems like the, the word of God, God speaking to people, is getting fewer and farther between. We actually read in our Bible that there is going to come a time when the Word of God is going to be very scarce. In fact, we read over the book of Amos these words here, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I'll send a famine in the land. A famine in the land. And a famine, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord goes on to say this, and they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the, to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, shall not find it. In our day, we'd say this, they shall wander from church to church, looking for the word of God, looking for a word from God, looking for God to, to have a word for them. And unfortunately, we're living in those days when the word of the Lord is precious, it's scarce and sparse. It bothers me. But then if you'll look down at verse number 3, here's another phrase about these days that bothers me, and it says this, And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That's another kind of uh, depiction of the spiritual condition of that day. The lamp of God, that beautiful candlestick that was in the holy place where the, ark of, where the ark of God was. The Bible said the lamp, the lamp had went out. Now, God had given commandment regarding that lamp that that lamp was to never go out. Back in the book of Exodus chapter 27 and verse number 20, the Bible said, Thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil, olive, beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. I mean, God wanted that lamp to continually burn because that lamp symbolized the presence of God. But evidently, in this time of great neglect, Eli and his boys were neglecting certain things in the house of God, and one of the things that they were neglecting was attending to that lamp. 
which spoke of the presence and the light of God. It took great care, great maintenance to keep that lamp burning, trimming the, lit, the wicks and supplying the oil. But in that day, those precious things, those holy things were being neglected and the lamp of God had gone out. The lights, maybe we'd say it like this, the lights had gone out. Boy, I want to tell you, we're living in days when not only the word of the Lord has grown sparse and scarce and rare, but we're living in days when the lights are going out. We're living in days when the presence of God, I said a moment ago, God's not saying much anymore, but can I say this? God's not showing up much anymore neither. His presence is, uh, is going out. When's the last time? I'm not trying to be so pessimistic, and I want to get a little bit encouraging here in just a moment. When's the last time you heard of a move of God going on? When's the last time you heard about a revival that broke out? When's the last time you heard about multitudes getting saved? I'm not saying God can't do that. God can do whatever God wants to do, but it sure seems like in these last days, God isn't saying a whole lot much anymore, and God isn't showing up much anymore. But ladies and gentlemen, can I say this in a, on a positive note? In the midst of days like that, even though times were bad and God was getting quiet, God wasn't saying a whole lot, that wasn't true of everybody. And that doesn't have to be true of you and it doesn't have to be true of me because in those kind of times, God started calling out to Samuel. God may not have been speaking to Eli, because Eli certainly turned away from God. God certainly wasn't speaking to the boys of Eli because of all that was going on in their lives. But I'm glad God still had a word for a little boy right there in the house of God. Boy, I'm glad if you and I are hungry and thirsty and we're seeking the word of God, boy, I'm glad. He may not be moving much. He may not be saying much. But that don't have to be the case in your life and that don't have to be the case in my life. He may not be moving like he has in the past. He may not be speaking like he has in the past. But that don't mean that he can't speak in the present. And if you and I are seeking him, if you and I are hungry and we're looking for something, and we're, we're desiring something from God, I'm glad there's a voice that'll come calling, Samuel, Samuel. God will say, Tim, Tim. God's got a word, friend. God hasn't abandoned his people. That's right. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk a little bit about the call of God, the call of Samuel, the ministry of Samuel. You know, it all begins with a call. As I said a moment ago, the ministry is not an occupation. You don't choose. I know some people choose it. I mean, people, you know, some people just choose to go into the ministry. But man, the ministry is not a choice. The ministry is a calling. God called Moses on the backside of the desert. God called Elijah. God called Elijah as he was plowing with the yoke of oxen. God, God called Paul as he was making tents. God called John as he was fishing by the Sea of Galilee. God calls men into the ministry. It's a calling. It's not a choice. It's a calling. Well, that was true in my life. I remember I got saved when I was 16 years old. 
And, uh, and uh, we, didn't have, we didn't have youth pastors and youth meetings when I was 16 because I'm 57, so that's been 40 years ago. I mean, the young people did what the old people did. If there was a youth activity, it was with the old folks. I mean, because that's just, that's just how it worked back in those days. And, uh, and I remember after I got saved, I got saved when I was 16, and I, I just, I wanted, I wanted something more. I, I mean, I, when I say that, I'm not talking about some kind of charismatic experience, but I knew God had saved me for something more than just to, to save me. And I, as a 16-year-old boy, 17-year-old, I started, I started trying to separate myself. I was attending public school, and, and of course, public schools were bad, probably not near as bad as they are now, but they were bad back then. And all my, my buddies, my friends at school, I mean, they knew there was something different about me, and they gave me a nickname. They started calling me Rabbi. That's right. That's what they called me. But I carried my Bible with me to school. Now I laid it on top of my books and carried my Bible. And when we went to the cafeteria to eat, I didn't eat over there with uh, everybody else, but there's another boy or two in, in, that was around my age at that time. They were seeking God as well. And us three would sit over there with our Bibles, in the school, high school, public school cafeteria. Man, I wanted God to do something for me. I, I just, I, I just, I, I had no direction in life whatsoever. Little did I know that when I got 18 years old, God would call me to preach. I didn't choose to do this. You know what I was choosing? I wanted to be a truck driver. That's what I want to do. I want to be a truck driver, man, because that was what was really popular back in those days, you know, uh, driving trucks, and, and I, I wanted to be a truck driver. I had, it wasn't even on the radar screen of my life to be a preacher, and yet God had a plan for me. He called me into the ministry. I was minding my own business. I was going to church three times a week, going out soul winning uh, with the pastor of our church, just trying to live right and do right. I had a little Sunday school class, a little boy's Sunday school class. I was minding my own business, and God reached down and called me to preach. It begins with a calling. Well, I want to show you in our text tonight that God's call is greater than three things. Let me show you, first of all, let me say, number one, that God's call is greater than our adolescence. God's call is, a, is greater than our adolescence. So what I mean by that is, here's God calling Samuel, and Samuel is but a youth. I mean, Josephus, who was a famous historian, Jewish historian, says that as of chapter 3, Samuel's grown up a little bit, but he's still only 10, 11 years old. I mean, he's just a child running around in the house of God. His mama took him up there to keep a promise that she made to God, drops him off up there. They give him some menial tasks, some menial chores to do. If you look at chapter 3 and verse number 15, it seems like one of the tasks that Samuel did day by day was to open up the doors of the house of God. So his job, one of his jobs, is just a young one running around there in the church, in the temple in those days, his job was to open up the door and close the door at night. I mean, that was his job. So he's just running around in the house of the Lord. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. And yet one night as he lays down and tries to go off to sleep, God begins to call him at such an early age. An early age. I find, I find in that, number one, I find in that an indictment because I think maybe one of the reasons that God had to call young Samuel is because not too many other people were listening for God in those days. There was Eli. He certainly wasn't listening to God. He's an older man now. Back over in the next chapter, he's going to die at the age of 98. 
falls out of a chair and breaks his neck. He's going to die. He's an old man. It's clearly evident that from our text that, that Eli wasn't listening for God. We know that them boys of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, they weren't listening for God. I mean, man, they were so wrapped up in all their ungodliness and their, uh, their wickedness that, the, that they were doing, they were involved in. They, they couldn't hear the voice of God. But in those days when nobody else was listening, God reached down and called a little boy. Samuel, Samuel. All the older crowd, all the middle-aged crowd, they weren't listening. But God had a little boy that was, had an open ear for God. I remember when I was a teenager, we didn't come to Winston much when I was growing up uh, until my daddy got a job down here. Daddy got a job working at, uh, uh, at Orkin, spraying houses for like termites. And then he left that and got a job at Boss Bakery. He carried bunny bread. He's a bunny bread salesman. And he left that and he got a job at the Krispy Kreme Donuts. Thank God for Krispy Kreme Donuts. And my daddy went to work driving a truck for Krispy Kreme. So the big thing that we got to do starting a little bit later when I was 12, 13 years old was we would come to Winston every night. Now, it was a big deal because we didn't come to Winston much. It was a big deal we come down here. And so we come down here, and what we would do is we'd go to the old Zares department store over there off of uh, Patterson Avenue. And we'd, we'd walk in there. Daddy'd take us to get us something to eat. We'd walk in there. Daddy'd get us one bag of hot red-skinned peanuts. Maybe some of y'all remember that. And we'd walk around. We didn't buy anything, but we'd walk around in Zares. We'd eat them red-skinned peanuts. That's a big deal to us. Daddy started driving a truck for Krispy Kreme, and one of the things that he did when he started driving a truck, he got a CB radio. And... Uh, and, and so we would, when we would ride down Highway 52, Daddy would cut the CB radio up and we'd listen to them truck drivers going up down the road talking about where the Smokies were. Now, the Smokies were the highway patrolmen. I don't know what they call them today. But the Smokies, they said, man, you better be careful. Right down there around that pinnacle exit, said there's a Smokie down there and he's, and he's got his uh, radar on. He's they said he's taking pictures down there. That meant that he, am I wrong about, I'm probably meddling now, but he said... Uh, He's taking pictures. That meant he had his radar on. He's clocking traffic. I remember all that. But one of the things I remember them truck drivers saying going up and down the road was they'd say something like this. They'd say, hey, hey, big R. And a big R meant roadway. It was a roadway tractor and trailer. And they said, hey, big R. And then they'd say this, have you got your ears on? And what that meant is, is your radio on? Are you listening? And they'd say, yeah, I've got my ears on. You know, I think when we come to church, we ought to have our ears on. Man, we ought to be listening to the voice of God. We ought to be tuned in and trying to hear what God has got to say to us because He is speaking. He is, he is talking today, but man, we just need somebody to, to listen to God. There's an indictment. Not many were listening, but there is an encouragement here, and that is there was one little boy that was listening. There was one little boy that could hear God speak, though he was confused about it. He didn't understand it all, Let's give him his kudos. He had his ears on. Somebody was calling. He, he mistakenly thought it was Eli, but man, he heard something. Thank God for people who can still hear something these days. 
Amen. Thank God, even if they are just young'uns. And by the way, the thing that encourages me about all this is I know many of you are really burdened over your children. You're burdened over your grandchildren. You're grieved over the conditions, some of the choices that they've made in life. But let me just encourage you tonight and by, by saying this. God can speak to Samuel. God can still speak to your children. God can still speak to your grandchildren. Don't you give up. Don't you quit praying. I'm telling you, God can still speak to our kids, our children. Before I move all the, off of this, I just want to say a word about the bus ministry while I'm right here because aren't you glad that God can still speak to these little old bus children that ride these buses over here to church. I mean, that's why we run buses, because we believe that, boy, if God could speak to Samuel, God could speak to little Robert, or God could speak to Johnny or Susie, or God could speak to Nellie. I mean, God can still do that. Nothing's too hard for our God to do. So when we get an opportunity again, we're going to keep running them buses. You know why? Because little children are a candidate for God to speak to. Because God is greater than our adolescents. Brother uh, Brian is up here tonight. I, little Rylan, I appreciate little Rylan sitting over here. I, the other Sunday night, somebody said, did you see Rylan over there while you were preaching tonight? I don't mean to embarrass you, Rylan. I hope I'm not. But I uh, said, did you see him over there while you was up there preaching tonight? had his Bible up waving it like that. Boy, thank God for that. Man, I appreciate that. Hey, listen, not everybody's gone bad. Not all the kids are out here doing wrong. Man, there are still some young'uns that are seeking God. God's call is greater than our adolescence. Greater. Let me say, number two, that God's call is greater than our atmosphere. You talk about a bad atmosphere in the house of God. I mean, you know... It, it was terrible. It was, it was, if it was bad, it was going on at church. You know, normally we think of church being a place that's pretty safe from bad stuff. But I mean, if you'll go back into chapter 2, back watching boys of Eli, I mean, laying with women in the house of God, stealing people's offerings when they come to church. I mean, it got so bad that people actually abhorred the offer. They hated going to church. I mean, them boys was going to threaten them when they got there, threaten to beat them up, take their sacrifices, maybe take their daughters off, their, their wives off, and commit some kind of terrible sin with them. Right there, that was all going on right there in the house of God. But aren't you glad in the midst of all that, God can still speak? You know, sometimes I think we think that we have to come from an ideal situation or an ideal setting for God to be able to speak to us. Sometimes I think we get the mistaken notion that God can only speak to people who come from the right kind of environment. And by the way, I'm that. Thank God uh, for people that are bringing up their families in the right kind of environment because a godly environment does open up opportunities that other kind of environments uh, can never do. But I'm glad I can tell you, you may not come from a good environment. It may be bad at home. It may be bad where you're at. But I just want to tell you, God can still speak in the midst of all of that. God's not confined uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to perfect environments. God's not confined just to perfect people. God can speak to us right where we're at. In the midst of all that's going on in our life, God can still speak in the midst of an ungodly atmosphere. Aren't you glad for that? I think about many of these kids that ride again our church, church buses over here. Man, they don't come from godly environments. 
They don't come from homes where Jesus is honored and the Bible is loved and people seeing the right kind. They don't come from home. Many times the homes they come from are pot smoking, beer drinking, cursing, immorality, rampant. That's the kind of homes they come to. But they can come over here and in spite coming from that kind of an atmosphere, well, I'm glad God can still speak to them. And God can still speak to us. You may live in a bad environment. Maybe your husband's not saved. Maybe your parents are not saved. But I just want to encourage you by saying this. God can still speak in the midst of that. God's call is greater than our atmosphere. There's little Samuel running around in the house of God with all that wickedness and ungodliness going on. And God didn't say, Eli, Eli. God didn't say that. God didn't say, Hophni, Hophni. Phinehas. God didn't say that, but God said this, Samuel, hey, little boy, Samuel, I got something I want to say to you in the midst of that kind of an atmosphere. So God's call is greater than our adolescence. I was called to preach. I probably was called to preach when I was 16 years old. I just put it off till I was 18. I was just a young'un, a teenager. But God had plans for my life. I never dreamed, in a, are you kidding me to dream that I would pastor a church like this someday when I was 16 years old? That's not even in the zip code of what I was looking for. But God had a plan. God called me. And then look at me. I get to stand up and preach every Sunday to a great church with good people. Some mean. Some of them are mean. But I still get to preach to them anyway. By the way, thank God for the mean ones. It gives me something to preach about. Didn't have no mean ones. I don't know what I'd preach about. But God lets me do this. God called me in my adolescence. God called me in the atmosphere of my life. Can I say this, number three, God's call is greater than our awareness. I mean, I think it's pretty evident when God started calling Samuel. I mean, it's pretty evident Samuel didn't understand it all. I mean, for crying out loud, when God called, he went running to Eli. He didn't have a grasp on this thing yet. He didn't have an understanding of, of what was going on. In fact, the Bible said there in verse number 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. So, I mean, I think we're safe in saying, boy, he didn't have a lot of the Bible memorized. I think I'm pretty safe in saying, man, he didn't understand a lot of stuff that was going on. But aren't you glad that God can call even those who don't understand it all? Aren't you glad that God can call those who maybe not don't have a, a grasp of it all. But God can still reach down. I remember this, when God started calling me to preach, I didn't have a great grasp on the Bible. I mean, I didn't have thousands and thousands of verses memorized. I mean, I didn't understand there were seven dispensations. I didn't get all that. I had no idea about all that stuff. I didn't understand all the, uh, the, the laws, the first mentioned laws and Type, I, didn't, I didn't have a grasp on all that. I just knew one thing. God said, Tim, Tim. And God called me. And by the way, I know a call to preach is a call to prepare. I get it. And I, I have. I've tried to read. And I'm a little further down the road. Not much farther, but I'm a little further down the road than I was when I was 18 years old. But I got to tell you, I didn't, have an, I didn't have a grasp on it all. But God called me anyway. And when God began to call me, 
Boy, I began to seek and search. I got me some, I got started buying tapes and listening to preachers preach. And first thing you know, I started building me a little library and started buying some books. And boy, I started hungering and searching the scripture and trying to learn things. And I'd listen to preachers preach and how they made their outlines. And I'd start trying to make me some outline. And I'd try to build me up some sermons and, and uh, man, trying to learn and get a handle on it all. But I didn't know it all. I, I had no idea what God was calling me to do other than he was calling me to preach. I didn't know he was going to call me to pastor. I had no idea. I preached on the back of pickup trucks and, and, and mall parking lots. I preached on pr people's front porch steps. They had cookouts and family stuff, and they'd say, hey, I want you to come over and preach to my family. I'd stand on the front porch and preach. We'd get up in the back of a pickup truck down at the big lots in Mount Airy. It wasn't big lots in, but it was a, some kind of mall, some kind of shop down there, and, and they hadn't outlawed you preaching yet uh, in, in mall parking lots. So we'd get on the back of pickup. One would get up and take the prayer request and sing a song, and the next one of us would jump up on the back of a pickup truck. And start. I ain't sure everything I preached back in those days was right. But I know one thing, I was hungering for something. I don't have much of a formal education. You know, a lot of times, I'm not against Bible colleges. I think you ought to get you a good education. But some of these boys go off these Bible colleges, and it ruins them. Man, they learn how to do it. They got all the tact. The only problem is they ain't got no contact. Man, they can stand up. They can say every word just right, pronounce every enunciation, get all the words right. But I tell you one thing, bless their heart, they ain't got no power to them. They done preached the power. They done pulled the power out of them down to Bible college. I'd rather preach with contact than tact any day of the week. I didn't have a great awareness of it all, but I know one thing. God had called me, and I started trying to put the Bible in my heart. Well, may God help us in these days to understand God's call is greater than our adolescence. It's greater than our atmosphere, and it's greater than our awareness. You don't have to know all the books of the Bible for God to call you. What is the old saying, God doesn't call the equipped, God equips the called. I didn't understand it all when God called me, but God get, was given and putting inside of me what I was going to need to be a preacher further down the road. God gave that to me. So is God calling you tonight? Why don't you quit offering up all them excuses? Well, I don't live in a perfect home. I'm just a young person. I don't live in a perfect home. Man, things in my life are not perfect. And I don't really understand much of the Bible. Won't you set all that aside and just listen for the voice of God? Can I ask you a question in closing? You got your ears on? Breaker, breaker, good buddy. You got your ears on? God may be calling you. You need to listen. The ministry of Samuel starts with a calling. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God.